two weeks before I returned to what Klinkenborg said, the reader we've been. Wait, did, so you, get I, it, did you get it back? Did you get to the point I where it, it was back. delicious to it curl was, back up with that book? Oh, it was so much as if I had come back to my cerebral home in reading. And it was so good that I actually then allowed myself almost the luxury of reading it now for pure pleasure, and I read it a second time. Hmm. Now, I want to push back for just a minute because yes, it's possible, of course, that literary taste is just changing as it always has. You know, and in will. the 20th century, people yes. wrote different kinds of novels than they did in the 18th century. Thank goodness. Mm-hmm. Maybe yes. we're not becoming worse readers. Maybe in some ways we're becoming more demanding readers. We want, you know, cleaner, clearer, crisper mm-hmm. writing than, you know, mm-hmm. Henry James or Herman Hesse. You know, it's a, it's, it's a very thoughtful and pithy question, but the very nature of our thoughts is represented in the complexity of our sentences. I would find it a great impoverishment if the young of our, our next generation would have only a diet of the simplest of sentences, which would never properly represent the natural convolutions of complex thought. And so when I hear chairs of English departments lamenting that their students no longer want to take Henry James, just as you suggested, no longer want to read the the sentences of George Eliot or Marcel Proust, that gives me um, a frisson of absolute fear that we will not have a generation who understands the richness that's possible in literature. But I think what you're saying, right, is that it's not just whether or not we love and appreciate rich literature. I think what you're suggesting is that how we read is how we think. And that if if we lose the ability to read and take pleasure in those deep, Mm -hmm. complex sentences or maybe novels Mm -hmm. with multiple subplots and a hundred characters, if we lose the ability Mm -hmm. to do that, we're not able to think in as complex a way. Is that right? It's also not developing the ability to appreciate the great richness in words themselves. That will be lost if we have a skimming, browsing, word-spotting way of reading. The brain is very, very plastic. It will reflect how we read. And so the very structure of how we appreciate and process language is going to be affected. Why would it matter so much what we're reading? I mean, you know, we're still talking about words in print. Why does it matter whether the words in print are on a physical page or on a screen? Mm. I think there are important advantages and disadvantages to both mediums. So I'd want to be sure that the real equation is not either or, but how do we enhance the experience of reading for the young by giving them what I will call a biliterate reading brain, one that knows when to use which mode for what material under what circumstances and purposes. Well, wait, wait, now, the, what's the difference? Like yes. what's good digital reading and versus what's good print reading? So 
In print reading, we know a great deal at this moment in time about what makes a great expert reader. And part of that is time, time to process, time to take on the perspective of others. Now, with digital reading, there is both the reality and a quasi-illusion that all you have to do is press another button, if you will, and you will have access to all kinds of information instead of having your own. So I would love to have the sense that our young are learning how to slow themselves down and not depend on another click and learn not to be so easily distracted that they become what people like Seymour Papert and Howard Gardner call grasshopper minds. Hmm. We have to fight this peripatetic mind that many of our children have. They are hyper-readers. We have to almost rein in their natural desire to go to the next stimulus to teach them those focused reading skills that print.